0: of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. Have you ever thought to yourself, how do I safely reduce PPOs without leaving PPOs? Well, today I bring on Tom Oren, the GEMS guy. He's brilliant. This is the first time I've actually met him. I followed him for a long time. And I really, really enjoyed this conversation. Today, he walks us through a treatment plan on how you can actually do this in two different ways to improve your fee structure. It is awesome. So make sure you guys listen to this. I know you'll enjoy it. And we'll see you soon hey guys welcome back to the best practices show podcast you know the GM here my job is to find the greatest thinkers greatest teachers greatest coaches in all dentistry and share great information with you to help you create a better practice and a better life and today I've got one of those guys I've been following for a very, very long time. But in full transparency, we're meeting for the first time today, Dr. Tom Oren. And uh, I get his newsletters. I follow his stuff. It's brilliant. And we're going to be talking about this whole PPO thing, how to safely reduce PPOs without leaving PPOs. So you're going to want to list it up and take notes. And if you're not taking notes, don't worry, we'll take notes for you. But Tom, thanks for being on. I appreciate you.
1: Kirk, thank you. Uh, I appreciate the opportunity and uh, it should be a lot of fun. And maybe we'll learn some things about how to reduce those write-offs while you're still in network.
0: I love it. I love it. I totally geek out on this stuff. Um, I want to start with who you are first, because we have a lot of young listeners. Um, I want to know your story. I personally want to know your story and I want our listeners to know your story and your backstory. So share with us who you are.
1: I'd be happy to do that. Um, I'm a general dentist. I practiced for 22 years chair-side, and um, I made pretty much every mistake you could make. Um, Probably the biggest mistake I made right out of school and for the first 15 years, so I, I, I like to repeat mistakes for a while, for the first 15 years was focusing only on being the best clinical dentist I could possibly be. So you know, I went through all of the Dawson Continuum and I went through all of Bill Strupp's courses, uh, loved occlusion, loved TMJ, did a lot of that. Um, went through everything in the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry, uh, became accredited by the American Academy of Cosmetic Dentistry. In fact, I served for six years as an examiner for the ACD. Um, did a lot of bu- bunch of stuff. And the bottom line is 15 years into practice, which is about 27 years ago now, I came within three days of losing my house and my office. Wow. And um, I was being embezzled by my office manager. Um, I was a couple million dollars in debt and it really looked like I had no way out. Um, it, it was, I call it my black Friday and my, um, my perfect storm year. Cause all this stuff happened in the same year and it was pretty bad. So why did, how did I get in that position? Well, I got in that position because I had my head in the sand about what you do so brilliantly, because I've been following you for a long time as well. We talked a little bit earlier before we started about all your YouTube stuff and the stuff I've been watching you on and. Thank you for what you've been sharing with, with all the guys and, and women in, um, in, in the dental profession, because a lot of us, we get out of school and we make the assumption that if I can just be the best dentist I can be clinically, everything else will fall into place. Well, the truth is, if that's all you're focused on, everything else will fall, but not into place. So it was a Friday afternoon in October, 27 years ago, I'm sitting in the office of a bankruptcy attorney. Now, this was an interesting story because I was sent there by my divorce attorney because my wife was fed up with me and she had had enough of me, you know, never being there for the kids and always trying to work and, and work harder, but never make any money. And anyway, so we were in the middle of a divorce and uh, I got to the bankruptcy attorney. He only looked at my books for 10 minutes and in 10, by the way, that was $300 for 10 minutes. So it was $30 a minute back then. So in 10 minutes, he says, you, I don't see any way out. He says, let's, let's meet in court nine o'clock on Monday and we'll file. That was Friday. Saturday, my divorce attorney calls me back and he says, you can't file Monday. I said, you just sent me to this guy. What do you mean I can't file it? He says, you can't file it. He says, I just told your wife's attorney because you have to keep them up to date on what you're doing. And the wife's attorney said, my ex-wife's attorney said, yeah, that's fine. Um, if you guys go to, to uh, court to motion for bankruptcy on Monday, we're going to go to family court on Tuesday and ask the judge to dissolve your house and your practice. Um, anyway, long story short, my attorney said, you can't risk that because in Massachusetts, they would probably do that. Um, so, that was the end of that. Now, with no alternative, no alternative of bankruptcy, um, I realized that I had to figure out how to run a business and um, really quickly. Uh, it didn't happen too quickly, but quickly enough for me, but it took about a year and a half to two years to really turn the practice around. One of the things that I did was I went out into the business world and I started looking at what do they do in regular businesses, small and large, to become profitable, to get more people in the front door, to retain more people in the back door, to do more, better, or whatever it is, more to better, in our case, it's the care. Um, and then how do I adapt that for dentistry? Uh, and each idea I came up with, I call a GEM. So it's a 1,000 GEMs or GEM seminars or whatever, it's all GEMs. So it was a lot of trial and error it's one of these things where um you would never want to go through it if you knew you were about to go through it but looking back on it had i not gone through what i went through i wouldn't be doing what i'm doing today so one of the things that i did was i went 100 fee for service i just decided that ppos that was the end of that uh and and we're going to talk more about that because you don't want to just do it haphazardly as i mentioned a moment ago so many docs, they just make that emotional decision and they say, I hate, and you know, name any PPO you want, whatever it is. And they say, I'm just going to pull out of it. And then they end up getting hurt financially and patients leave in droves and, and they're not prepared to do it. They're not prepared financially. They're not also not, they haven't prepared their team on how do you speak to these patients and when should you speak to them and what should you say, how should you say it and who should say it? There's there's so many pieces to that puzzle of doing it well. So In the probably year and a half to two years of trial and error, one of the things that I did before I started leaving those PPOs was I figured out four different areas of my practice that I really hadn't addressed, each of which was kind of a bucket of opportunity. We're going to get into those maybe in another day because today we're going to focus on how do you get paid more? How do you get better fees even while you're still in network? That's perhaps the easiest one of the first things to do because there's no fear of not leaving network because you're not leaving a network. So we'll talk about that in a moment. Fast forward, got rid of the PPOs, increased a lot of the things in the practice, uh, revenue was way up. Um, now I was getting 100% full fee of everything that I did. Things were going really well, and if I go about 20 years ago now, so my dad was not a dentist, um, but he was a, an owner of a dental practice about 45 minutes to the west of mine. Whereas mine was a small private practice with you know, four chairs, and I knew every patient well and all that, and I had one associate GP and two two hygienists. He had 11 chairs. He had every PPO under the sun. He had 15 different plans. 90% of his patients were in network with one of his plans. He had three GPs, two specialists, three hygienists, and a big support team, and it was a mess. And 20 years ago, he was diagnosed with terminal cancer. It was out of the blue, right out of the... He was healthy until the day that they said, by the way, you have six months to live. And so I remember visiting him at the Mass General Hospital with my wife, Elizabeth, and he said, Tommy said, I've never really told you much about my finances. I don't think he wanted to share you know, with his son where he was at, but I knew he was stressed. I just didn't know how much. And um, he said, I need you to help your mom. He said, because I have no retirement. I have no pension. I have nothing put away. I have no life insurance. He says, I have nothing. He said, and um, I owe some bills, lab and supply. I'm I'm behind in that stuff. He said, you know, could you, so we promised him we'd do anything we could. So we'd take over the practice, fix it, take care of my mom regardless, either way. So he passed away. Elizabeth and I went out to Worcester to that practice and ours was doing well in Framingham. Got out to the Worcester practice. And um, that morning, we had uh, meetings with each of the departments. So the first thing was, you know, bookkeeping and accounting was a lady named Sue, his bookkeeper. And she said, your dad was a sweetheart. Everybody loved him. She said, but we're getting behind on the bills to the point where they're going to shut us down. The labs and supplies are just not going to, suppliers are not going to send us stuff anymore. We need to catch up on the bills. And I, I said, well, my dad did tell us that, that he was a little bit behind, but he didn't know how much. And she, I said, can you add it up? And Elizabeth held up our checkbook, and she said, yeah, we brought our checkbook so that we could write you a check to catch you up on whatever whatever you owe. She said, Dr. Arendt, you don't understand. I said, what don't I understand? She said, well, I have added it up already, and um, I need you to write me a check today for $100,000. So Kirk, I call this my negative inheritance. This, this was my negative inheritance. So fortunately, you know that was in our account, fine, no worries, so we wrote her a check for $100,000, and we got them cut up to zero, Now we met with the um, dental assistants and the dental assistants said the same thing. They said, your dad was a sweetheart, everybody loved him, but he wasn't a dentist. So we really couldn't talk to him about clinical stuff. I said, okay, what's going on? This is day one after we had just written the check for a hundred thousand to catch up on the bills that he was behind. And the, the assistant said two out of three of his GPs commit malpractice on a daily basis. It's like, okay, and I'm not going to get into the specifics of it, but they they showed me all the records and they were doing this stuff. And anyway, it took us about two, two and a half years to turn that practice around. And um, we deployed all the gems or strategies that we had learned and, and, and deployed or developed in Framingham. We did those in Worcester, even though they were two very different practices. Ours was in a nice suburban community of Boston. His was in a really depressed, uh, middle Massachusetts, economically depressed area a lot of factories, some terrible insurance, and um, didn't didn't make any difference. Everything that we applied in Framingham worked really well in Worcester uh, to help us get out of, we got out of 13 of the 15 plans. I kept two because the fees were actually pretty good. Uh, I said to Elizabeth on the way out of that before we sold, we don't need to be 100% fee-for-service when there's two plans that are actually paying us well, treating our staff well, the patients are great. So I would never go fee-for-service just to be fee-for-service. Uh, I would do it because I'm being mistreated by the PPOs. Mm-hmm. The fees, if, if, if your fees are terrible, if the treatment they're giving you is terrible, if they're leaving your staff on, on hold for 30 minutes and then hanging up and pretending it didn't happen. Um, there's, there's one of our, one of our uh, favorite people is a PPO expert with us and uh, his name is Ben. And um, Ben told me that approximately 35% of all claims are denied or downgraded, not by a clerk even by an algorithm that just downgrades into now. Of course, the insurance industry will say that, that that can't be, that we don't do that. But he said about 35% are downgraded or denied just as an initial swipe, just to get rid of half of the money. Anyway, so without going too deep into that rabbit hole, turn that practice around, went 90% fee-for-service. Mine was 100%, sold both those practices about 20 years ago. And ever since, Elizabeth and I, we have a team of 15, but, but Elizabeth and I run this, and um, we've just been helping Dennis with well, how do you how do you improve wherever it is that you're at? So before we talk about the how, let's talk about the why. So really let's take a look at what are PPOs really doing to dentists and their practices beyond what's seen on the surface?
0: Yeah. I like to start
1: there. It's important because it it gives us more us as the dentists who are in PPOs, it gives us, and I'm, I'm out, but but your listeners, many of them, most of them are probably in some, at least you know, some PPOs that they'd rather not be in. So let's first of all, just look at what you see on the surface. Um, we've been doing this for just actually over 20 years now. Um, and um, a couple thousand dentists we've spoken with and looked really deep at their practices. And the average dentist, the average GP is losing anywhere from low end 25% write-offs High end, forty-five, even fifty percent, which is just absurd. Just absurd. Now, where are we seeing forty-five to fifty percent? Typically, that's in California, some parts of the mid-South and the mid-Atlantic. But but California is the worst, uh, worst offender. Um, it's not at all unusual for a doc to be right now 43, 45, 48, some fifty. And we've we've run into a couple who are over fifty percent. So you're working half a year for free. Right now. Let's talk about the more typical dentist. The more typical dentist is losing 30%. So if it's a million dollar practice, million dollar production, which is a decent amount of production for one doc, um, it's a $300,000 write-off. Yep. 300,000, that's like a small practice. I mean, it's a small practice, but it's a small practice. It's $300,000. So that's a surface cost. For a million dollar practice, it might be 300,000, 350, or four. What about the hidden cost? Well. I've never yet spoken to a dentist who said, oh, I've already taken that into account. I realize that. And here's the hidden cost financially. Let's say you're doing $300,000 worth of free dentistry, which you are. It costs you 12 to 15% to produce it because you've got variable expenses. Variable expenses are lab and supply. On the low end, it's 12%. More typically, it's about 15%. That's 45, call it $50,000 that it's costing you out of pocket to give away $300,000 worth of dentistry. So now we're getting a little bit deeper. We've got 300 that you knew you were writing off. We've got 50 that you didn't know you were spending to write it off so that the hard cost financially is 350,000, but it gets worse. There's not a practice out there that isn't spending a lot of money on staff to manage the insurance.
0: Right. You've heard this one. You usually have somebody working in your office that you pay the salary for, but yet they work for the insurance company. I'm sure you've heard that one.
1: They do. They do. They 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 really do. Um, so that could be fifty thousand dollars a year. I mean, most practices have more team members at the front than they need if they weren't messed up with the PPO insurance. So I'm not gonna get in all the stuff that they're doing, but the, the doctors know. I mean, they they know as well as you and I do what these team members are doing all day long to deal with the insurance mess. All right, so there's the cost of the, so if we went from 300 to 350, we're now at about 400,000 in a million dollar practice. It, it, it's crushing the doctors, it is. All right, let's move away from the money and talk about the quality of care that's offered.
0: Wait, can I, can I offer one more? I just wanna see, you're, I'm totally picking up what you're putting down. Totally agree with everything you've said. And let me throw one more in there. I have Sally. She works at the front. She's been here for 20 years of the collectible that we could collect. We only collect 92%. Just so there's, there's an additional loss cost there. Wouldn't you agree? So huge, it huge. compounds.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A hundred percent. So, um, I like to call adjusted production. And I asked my dentist when, when, when we were just starting with them in the coaching program, I asked my dentist to write this down. Adjusted production is collectible production. So, cause they always get mixed up. Well, I don't know, we're doing a million dollars. Well, is that million top line or is that uh, after write offs? Well, we don't do write offs in our practice because um, we just put in the fee that the insurance company cause it's too confusing and it's quicker and easier. So you do what? Well, we, we just, we have our staff just enter the network fees. I'm not going to that. That could be an episode in itself, but that is killing yourself. It's killing every other doctor in your zip code, and it's blinding you to how much you're losing. Right. I actually wrote a a a reverse formula, so when we're working with a doctor trying to figure out what's going on, if they don't have their top line, we can figure it out for them in order to help them with a really close guesstimate to see really what they're losing. And it usually that's that's the fuel that gets them started in the right direction. So yeah you talked about, uh, we call it the collections ratio. So the collections ratio you talked about at 92%. You're collecting 92% of the adjusted production or the collectible production. In my Framingham office, we collected 101%. In my Worcester office, we were about 98.99. 98.99 is what we typically shoot for. 101% is typical of an office that does a lot of um, prepay courtesies. So Mrs. Jones is coming in for a $10,000 case. We're offering her five percent prepay courtesy if she wants to pay for the entire case today. So I'm not talking about you know three payment prepay the whole case. We'll give you five percent off. Because of that, we were running at about 101 percent in framing him. But uh, yeah, even if they're doing 95 percent, which you know, oh that's not bad. I'm doing 95 percent. It's like an A or an A plus. No, that's terrible because if you're a million dollar practice, you just lost fifty thousand dollars for nothing.
0: Yeah, totally.
1: All right, so. Those are some of the costs financially, but I want to talk about the quality of care. So this is one of the seldom spoken about dirty little secrets within our profession and nobody's proud of it and it doesn't exist in every practice. So there are doctors listening who can rightfully so say that's not happening in my practice and I respect that 100%. However, what does happen is in in most practices is the doctors are painfully aware of what insurance will cover and what they won't, what they'll cover well and what they won't, what they'll deny. And I've had many doctors tell me they just won't offer certain services because they can't afford to, literally. In other words, if they did whatever X is, I'm not not even gonna start choosing what they might be because it's gonna be different in every practice and different with every insurance company. But you know which services you would, I'll give an example. after I went through all the Strup courses and the Dawson courses and, and my background clinically, I decided to do a lot of bonded porcelain and bonded gold inlays and onlays. Why? Because I was conserving tooth structure and I was rebuilding the strength of the tooth. Um, and, and you know, I, I'm not here to argue clinically what's better or worse. I mean, the doctors today might be doing some things that are beyond amazing clinically. My point is, there are situations where doctors just choose not to offer inlays and onlays anymore because it will automatically be downgraded by 95% of the insurance companies to a large amalgam. So you're doing a service that might cost you $150 to $200 for a good lab to give you a quality onlay or inlay, and they downgrade it to an amalgam and they might give you $200 or $300 for the thing, and you are literally doing it for free, but you're not doing it for free because you've got all your costs. So anyway, the point is, whether it's choosing not to offer certain services that you know might be better for that patient, um, I call it the devil and the angel effect. You walk in, you, you're doing your assessment, you're looking at the radiographs, you're looking at photos, you're doing your probing, you're looking at all the teeth trying to figure out what would be best for this patient. The angel's on one shoulder saying, Tom, make sure that you offer the very best dentistry on each and every patient, no bias, no exception. That, by the way, is what we train our coaching members to do and give them the ammunition to be able to do that and get paid for it and get the patients to say yes, even though a lot of it's out of pocket. So, Angel, offer the very best. Offer what you would want done for yourself, your mother, your brother, your sister, your kids. The devil is there saying, be serious. It's the real world. You're not going to get reimbursed for it. And the patient's not going to pay for it. And even if the patient would pay part of it, the insurance is going to downgrade it And in the particular plan, you've signed a contract which says you can't charge You you can't charge you can't balance bill. By the way, we could get into so many different subjects. For sure, there's uh 43 different states, I believe, maybe 44 now, that have the um, non-covered services act. Non-covered services act says, hey, insurance companies, you have no right to dictate. The insurance commissioners were part of this, and the uh, state. the, the dental societies were really good for pushing on this as well to the legislature, leg, legislatures. and they finally got passed in most of the states this non-covered services act, which basically says if you deny this insurance company, then we can charge our um, our patient the full fee, even though we're in network. So that's good. What's not good, and most dentists don't know, is fifty percent of the time, if you do that, even in a, even in a state that has that legislation you will be con- committing insurance fraud at a federal level, not state. It's the state insurance commissioner that has the ability to say, you can't do that insurance company. And you know the, the legislation gave the insurance commissioner the teeth to say that. But there's about 50% of all plans that are not, um, they don't answer to your state insurance co- commissioner because they're federally funded. Right. Again, a, a story for another day. Right. All right so, Where does that leave us? How about the emotional? So that's the quality of care. There's a lot of patients not getting the quality that they otherwise could get. Just just because we can't, when I say we, the the dentist who's in a PPO may make a decision not to offer certain things. But let's talk about the emotional cost on the doctor. I I speak with so many docs who are so fed up, anxiety-ridden, frustrated, that they know how to do the quality care, but they just can't offer it or don't offer it, or, or they do offer it and the patients aren't accepting it because they're just looking at their insurance. So there's the emotional cost of PPOs. Ultimately, it's it's a cost to the patient's health. So um, that's the, I said there's so many different pieces to the what are PPOs really costing us. Those are the pieces. So let's talk about a couple ways. Let's wrap up with, what they came here for which is a couple ways that you can get better fees even if you're still on network even while you're still on network right because um, ultimately if you want to get out of ppos i would urge you to do it right if you don't want to get out if things are fine then don't change a thing i mean if you're doing well if you're doing well financially and you're you're doing great dentistry and you're you've got great patients and they're accepting of that care and they're paying for it out of pocket then, as I said, in my dad's office, we didn't leave the last two plans. Thirteen we did because they were terrible. Two of them were good and we kept those. Right. So.
0: And go back. Uh, can I ask you go back to that? Because um, every time I have somebody who's and you're an, an incredible expert on this, I always want to do a little digging and just see what your findings are. And uh, I'll share with you what I've been learning from the last couple that I've had on. What a lot of their databases have shown is that fee-for-service, from what they could see in their databases, was about 8% in the United States prior to COVID. Post-COVID, those numbers have climbed to 18 19%. I'll throw that one in there, and then i will throw a second one in there. Most experts agree that most dental practices will have to be some type of hybrid in the future. So take those two things. I would love your insight on both of those things that we've shared on this
1: podcast. You're asking the right guy. All right. First of all, um, I actually looked up a study by the ADA, which was pre-COVID, and um, was surprised to see, excuse me, that the number was in the mid to high 70s and that 20% of practices across the U.S. are fee-for-service. This was pre-COVID. Excuse me, this is a few years back. Um, So let's say, call it 80%. So 20% of the practices at that point, at least to the ADA survey, were, uh, I don't know if it's accurate or not, but that's the numbers I came up with. What I find anecdotally, and when I say anecdotally, I'm, I'm, I've worked with a couple thousand practices. So, what I find in my anecdotal world is 90 to 95% of practices have at least some in, in-network PPOs. Now, there may be a bias because the practices that are coming to work with me are probably coming to work with me because they have some PPOs. So, that so the, the number that I have might not be accurate, but but Yeah. Now, we also have a number of doctors who are full fee for service who work with us because they don't ever want to go back. And that's one of the biggest problems that we see is somebody pulls out, they go fee for service and they destroy their practice and then then they rebuild by adding PPOs. And those PPOs give them the worst possible fees because now they got their, their, them under their thumb now. So uh, as far as moving forward, uh, you, you mentioned that most practice management people see that um, uh, that that practices will need to be some sort of hybrid in the future. I thoroughly disagree. It's going to be it. no different I, today. That, it's going to be no different down the road than it is today. I love it. Tell me why. Tell me why. I want to know why. Well, the vast majority of dentists will tell you that even today you can't go 100% fee-for-service. You just can't do it. You, okay. You'd kill your practice, especially in our area. You, Tom, you don't understand. I'm in... Um, uh, the Deep Bayou, Louisiana, and and the people are poor. They don't have any money. They're all they all have network insurance, and you you can't do it here. Well, um, one of my favorite docs, Curtis Zarang, who's been with us for years and years and years, turned his practice a thousand percent around, put away a big retirement, and and all of this in one of the poorer areas, the Deep Bayou, Louisiana. Um, I had a young lady in um, Socorro, New Mexico, Ginger Bratzel, and uh, Ginger said, you know. I'm thinking of maybe closing this practice and then reopening somewhere else that would be more economically advantageous and then maybe doing your program. I said, well, you, w- would you stay there if we could make it work where you are? She said, yeah, this is where I grew up. She says, this is the indigenous Indian population of the mountains of Socorro, New Mexico. These are my people. I don't wanna leave, but but I just don't think you can do it here. I said, well, if we could, well, yeah. Okay, so she did great. She never moved. She stayed where she was. Eventually she sold the practice. Interesting story, her husband was a hygienist. She sold the practice with her husband. Um, still, they stayed married, but he went with the, the new, new owner. Um, I could give you story after story of, of places in the country that people would say this can't be done. You know Manhattan. oh, it's, it's Detroit. It doesn't matter where you are, and it doesn't matter how many dentists are in, um, in network and tell you it can't be done. The reason that your friends and colleagues tell you it can't be done is because they don't know how to do it, right. Yeah. That's the only reason they're telling you it can't be done. So for somebody to tell you there have to be, there will always, yeah, there'll be a lot of hybrid practices, but that's because they don't know how to get out safely. So right. um, I, I don't want to leave you without at least talking about the two things that we came here for. Yeah. So the first one is, um, and basically this is while you're still in network, and you and I talked about maybe doing some future episodes. We're gonna get into a lot of detail of all sorts of places. What are the four buckets? How would you take advantage of other places in the practice to increase income before you leave any PPO? But for today, just let's look at the uh, the PPO bucket. So the first question is negotiations. Everybody knows that you, you, in some cases you might be able to negotiate higher fees and, and most dentists try and some dentists succeed.
0: Mm-hmm. And the negotiations um, environment has changed quite a bit,
1: right? Yeah. Radically, radically. So I'm going to keep the negotiations part short because the bottom line is no matter what you negotiate, they're not going to give you a good deal. They're just not. So if you you think that, okay, so right now my crown, and we're not supposed to discuss fees, you know, FTC violation. So I'll just say, let's say my crown fee is X and my whole crown fee. And I'm losing well, 35%. So I'm losing 35% off my crown because that's my write-off. Um, it's not like they're going to give you a 17% increase, and wow, now that's not so bad. Now I'm only losing close to 20%. That would still be terrible. But they're not even going to do that. They're going to, they're going to come back with yeah, we can give you 2%, we can give you 4%, we can give you 4.5, well, we'll give you 4.75. You know, even if it's five or six or eight, or maybe you hire a PPO expert and we've got a PPO expert with us. And I'll tell you that negotiations is one of the few, one of the services we don't recommend as often because it's it's a it's a lot of money or you could try to do it yourself and you're not gonna get anywhere. Um, but But it can be done and you can get better fees. So I suppose I should say this in fairness, if you are resigned to staying in PPOs, if you, if, if you just, that's, that's where I'm gonna be. I've got five years to practice, 10 years to practice, and I'm not leaving and I'm not gonna to try to fix this. Then yeah, I'd try to negotiate and maybe you can get five, six, seven, eight 8% better. You may not. There's also many companies who will not negotiate no matter what, even with the experts who know how to do it. So there are non-negotiable companies. There's many, many of them. They're the big 800 pound gorillas and I'm not gonna name names because I don't wanna get us in trouble, but there's 800 pound gorillas and you know who they are. I'm thinking of three of them. See if you can read my mind. Oh, I can. Uh, but, but, yeah, but but seriously, there's a lot who will not negotiate, right? So I'm going to give you a little strategy that I used in um, uh, in, in my dad's office that um, worked like a charm and um, it'll work like a charm today, but it doesn't work very often. It only works occasionally, but when it does work, it's amazing. See, which insurance company, and not not by name, but what type of an insurance company would absolutely negotiate before they would let you go. The answer to that is one that needs you. Think this is such common sense. Think about it. The only insurance company that will negotiate and give you better fees is one that needs you. Why would they need you? Because the ratio, the ratio of number of employers and employees. So they they contracted with two hundred employers or eight hundred employers, whatever it is, in your your area, and they've got. 10,000 patients or 20,000 patients or 100,000. It depends on whether you're rural, suburban, or urban. But but the point is, they've got X number of patients under contract, and they've only got Y number of dentists, and the ratio is messed up for them, and they don't have enough dentists. Why are some of the 800-pound gorillas refusing to negotiate? Because they don't need you. They simply do not need you. They never will negotiate. They just don't. They don't need you. So how did I find out which ones would negotiate and which ones wouldn't in, in the Worcester office? Real simple. I never left a PPO until I could do it financially. And it didn't matter if I lost that. All Every one of those patients. That's number. We talked about that a little bit earlier. You want to get yourself in a position first. Okay. So then when I was ready to leave, I sent them a certified letter, return receipt requested, saying, <clears throat> it was a very, very positive letter, by the way. It wasn't a negative letter. Um, I've appreciated working with ABC, PPO. You guys have been great. Um, and I love the patients. And it's all been good. However, unfortunately at this point I can no longer afford I can no longer afford to offer uncompromised care and this is the key and this is what we tell our patients as well I can no longer afford to offer the uncompromised care that we deliver with the compromised fees that we're getting and so please see addendum A and addendum A is our new fee schedule if You got to play hardball, but you can only do it if you're willing to cut and run completely. So as I was cutting and running, I sent this out as a shot over the bow saying, so at the end of the letter it said, um, if you are unable or unwilling to uh, work with us on the new fee schedule, um, then uh, please consider this our, let's say it was a 90 day notice for that company, please consider this our 90 day notice. So, and it was return receipt request and we had the date that they had signed for it. So we had, we had proof that we had given our notice because, okay, about half of them, maybe 40% of them, and today it might be only 20%. So th- that's the biggest difference as there's fewer who need you now, because back then not as many dentists were tied into PPOs. But the same strategy will work to figure out who, but don't use this strategy unless you can financially afford to walk away. Right. All right so having said that, many of them said, uh, yeah, we don't want to lose you. Well, what they were saying is we don't have enough dentists in your area. And so they either gave me that schedule or they gave me a compromise, a a little bit of a compromise. Well, we can't do schedule A, but we could do 10% less than that. Would you take that? I said, sure, let's do that. Eventually we left all but two. But for a while on the way out, we were collecting way more money. You follow that? So I still left. I didn't promise them I was gonna stay. I just said, pay us this or we're leaving now. Um, So what I did is, with all of them, I left I left most of them eventually anyway, because we wanted 100% fee and we didn't want to be screwed around by the insurance industry.
0: Right. So that
1: was one, the other is umbrellas. So let's talk about umbrellas. Unfortunately, only about half of the dentists out there that we speak to have a, a, a sufficient understanding of the umbrella networks. Um, for those who've never heard it called an umbrella, you can also hear it called shared or leased networks, L-E-A-S-S-E-D, L-E-A-S-E-D, leased or shared networks or umbrella networks. So there's there's three different names that these evil things go by and they're terrible. Um, now let's say, well, I've never heard of any of those things. Then I'll give you the scenario. And once you hear the scenario, I'll bet you'll say, okay, I just didn't know it was called that, but if I, my, my front desk tells me about this and it's terrible. Mrs. Jones shows up at the front door, super nice lady, shows her insurance card. She's in some insurance plan, but it's not one of yours. So you're not in network with her. She's gonna be full fee she broke a couple of T's, she's got some decay, she agrees to do the care uh, at full fee and um, you prep the two crowns and maybe did some buildups and maybe a little bit of whatever. You submit, say it's $5,000 or you know, I don't know how many different services we're bundling into that, but let's say it was $5,000 worth of services that you assume are full fee and she was fine with full fee. You submit for her and the EOB comes back and it says you are required by contract you were required by contract to write off not $500 of that 5,000, not 1,000, but $1,500 or $1,800, depends on what your, your insurance is. But you could lose $1,800 what you you thought was a full-paying patient because she's not you're not in a network with her plan. So if you read the fine print, the like little five-point or seven-point PICA print of your contracts, what you're going to find is this phrase that says something to the effect of Oh, and by the way, we may be in a behind-the-scenes arrangement. It's like the airlines. You know, you you, you get onto a flight. You're sitting at the gate, and it says American Airlines, flight four five six, and that's what you have a ticket for. And then it changes. The marquee changes, and it says, you know, some other name of some other company airlines, and flight six fifty two. And then it says a third one, and. It, What is it? It's behind the scenes arrangements with different airlines Well, the insurance companies have the exact same thing. With the airlines, I think there's advantage for us. With the insurance companies, it's terrible. And here's why. If if Mrs. Jones has a plan, which is in one of these behind the scenes networks, the umbrella shared or leased networks with one of your plans, any one of your plans, then you are required by law, by contract, not only to accept the, the network fees, but let's say Mrs. Jones' plan is a decent plan and it's maybe the top paying plan in, in the whole umbrella. And so her, her fees would have been only a 18 or 20% write off and you're writing off 35% in your plans. You can't get the fees, even though she's got that plan, you can't get the fees that her plan would pay. You, you're, 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 you're required by law to accept the plan fees that you signed up for. So here's the rule. You never want to be in more than one plan within an umbrella. Let's say there's two local umbrellas in your area and each one has six or eight or 10 plans. You never want to be in more than one plan within a, a least shared or network, an umbrella network. You, and here's rule number two. You only want to be in the top paying plan within each umbrella because now Mrs. Jones comes in. She's not in your, you know, your plan. She's in some other thing that's in the net in that umbrella. She's in the worst one that has like a 40% write-off. You're in the best one that has only an 18 or 20% write-off. Even though her plan pays terribly, you'll get paid for the plan that you signed up for. So what do we do with our coaching members? Our PPO expert, one of the first things Ben does is he'll say, Show me which plans you're in. Show me your zip code. And I'm going to show you which plans you should be in. And we're going to pull you out of this one and put you into that one. So you're still in network. You're still treating them in network. Right. But you're getting way better fees for it. So <clears throat> those are the two things I would recommend while you're still in network. Let me go back to
0: uh, the second one, the umbrella uh, situation. Tom, if I'm listening to this, my brain hurts and I'm a dentist. I don't like you're, you're speaking a different language and this is really difficult. Would you agree with this? The only way to really figure out where you're at on some of these plans is to regularly audit EOBs. Cause you pointed to the EOB, the EO, EOB at the end of the day is going to tell you what's happening currently. Would you agree with it? Now you don't have to audit all of them, but a lot of the people we've had on the show are like, you have to systematically audit a few a week. Because things get weird and you don't even know what you're participating. And I've had several dentists where I'll say, can you send me the contract? They're like, what contract? I'm like, well, you signed something. And they send it to me and it's still in the plastic. They haven't even opened it up. So it's a naturally
1: complex game. Agree or disagree? 100% agree. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to 110% agree. And here's why. So I 100% agree that you should be looking at some of the EOBs, randomly auditing, Here's the 10% that you may or may not have heard of. So let's say that a doctor either by his or herself, they, himself or herself, they, they did some negotiation or maybe they hired, you know, like our expert Ben, they hired one of the experts and that person on their behalf did negotiation and they got a better fee, 5%, 8%, 10%, whatever, they, they got some improvement. Many insurance companies will not pay the contracted, agreed upon, signed, legally accepted higher fees until you squawk and say, wait a minute, you're not paying me the higher fees. This is what we're finding. So yeah, this is why, this is another reason you should be auditing is that let's say XYZ PPO, not to name anybody, XYZ PPO says, fine, we will pay you 8% higher. Mm -hmm. They may or may not, some, they don't all do this, but some of them are paying the old fee until you see it in the OB and say, wait a minute, we're not getting the higher fee. And Wow. Almost nobody ever looks, so that's why they get away with that.
0: That's crazy. So you got to hold them accountable to their promises.
1: You have to, and, and they will start paying it once you point it out. But they they may or may not until then. Um, I mean, there are there are services you can pay for where the PPO experts will um, they'll put a tail after the negotiations. The tail meaning you then pay them for an ongoing. Uh, you pay them an ongoing fee just to do this auditing themselves, so you don't have to do it. So your team doesn't have to do it, and they will flag and and tell you. They'll alert you and say, "Okay, that company isn't paying what they promised you," and then they go to bat for you. So, yeah. Uh, again, these. This this is only one of a hundred different. Literally, we we probably talked about eight or ten. This is one of a hundred different reasons that I would never be in PPOS today, and why I pulled out completely out of framing him and ninety percent in Worcester before I sold.
0: Yeah, I love this. We are no question, you and I are gonna do multiple episodes. I've got like 30 questions. I could keep you on here for two more hours. Um, and I want to cover, you know, the non-covered services situation. There's so many things. Uh Tom, I want if I'm listening to this uh and I want more of what you can offer to dentists, I want you to share that. But before we do that, um, give me a last, you know, final thought. Just if I'm a young dentist, listen to this. What would you say about all the, give me, give me some last final thoughts as I look forward to 30 years of doing okay. this.
1: So, so, so before I, I do share how they can get more of, of that from me, and we got a couple of free resources, but before I go there, um, life's too short. Life's too short. Um, I have two brothers. I, I lost one of them. He was only a couple of years older than I am, and he was healthy as could be, um, he did a lot of skydiving. He jumped out of an airplane. He landed fine. He went to pack his chute and he sat down and they thought he was sleeping while the people were repacking his chute and he was gone. That was about two years ago. Life is too short. That stuff happens when you're in your 60s. That stuff happens when you're in your 40s. Um, those doctors who are only in their, let's say, 40s right now, their their 30s and 40s, the younger doctors. Um, trust me when I tell you that you will be in my chair in your 60s. Um, before the blink of an eye. So my question to you is, what's it worth to you to have joy every day, to get up in the morning and know that you are free to do whatever it is that you know how to do the very best that you can for your family, for your patients, for yourself professionally, feel satisfied, feel invigorated, and not, not be anxious and worried and frustrated to going to work every morning. Cause the deeper you get into PPOs and the longer you stay in there, the worse it will get. And your question was really good one, You know are the practice management people right that you'll you'll have to have a hybrid in the future and the answer is no the answer is probably i don't know the percentage but let's say today 85 or 90% of all practices for GPs are PPO then maybe down the road it's going to be 95%. It's going to get worse. It's not yeah, going to get better. It is. So this is something that you need to do for yourself if you choose to do it this meaning learn how to run a practice in a manner that gets your patients to understand that they have and we we get we could do a whole program about in a general practice ninety five percent of our patients are asymptomatic. That's one of the biggest difficulties that we have in getting patients to accept care. But 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 I, I digress. So yeah. life is short. Uh, set up your practice and your life, not just your practice. Set up your practice and your life so that every morning you get up and you have the very best shot at saying, "I love this life. Li- life, I love the opportunities that I've created for myself and taken advantage of." Um, So if your listeners would like to safely reduce dependence on PPOs, uh, then have them download my free special report. It's called a four-step system that dentists use to safely and predictably withdraw from PPOs and increase their net profit. Um, And um, they can do that when, in fact, you can see these on my screen. One of them is ppofo.com and the other one is uh, PPOexit. for the for the free report they can go to ppo so i am the ppo foe ppofo.com that's foe uh, they can get that free report now if they would like a little higher level help from us um, we can help them map out a step-by-step plan that's specific to their situation to safely and predictably withdraw so if i owned your practice and i knew what i know and we go in a deep dive what would be the steps i would take where are the greatest opportunities in that practice and it's going to be different in every practice how would I get out of PPOs in your practice? It's called the Breakthrough Call. It is free. Even if at the end of that call, we don't end up working together, we may steer you towards something that we feel may fit you better, but either way, you're gonna get massive value and clarity out of that call. Uh, and for that one, you would go to PPO Exit. And again, you can see that there, ppoexit.com for the uh, free free call.
0: Yeah. Tom, So well done. I really enjoyed this. And if you're listening, again, you're not taking notes. Don't worry, we're taking notes for you. So if you're listening on Stitcher, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, doesn't matter. Flip up to the show notes. You're going to see links to everything that Tom has mentioned. You can click right on the link. It'll take you directly there. I'm going to encourage you to check that out. And uh, Tom, I'm going to have you back. I'm not even asking you to come back. I'm telling you you're coming back. Is that okay? Okay.
1: I would love to. I
0: appreciate it. This has been a lot of fun. Awesome, buddy. I really appreciate this. So thank you so much for being on and stick around while we say goodbye to everybody else who's listening, but thank you guys for listening to the best practices show. Hey. If you enjoyed today, which I know you did, please hit the share button, share this with your friends, and keep sending us suggestions. I get them all the time from you guys. I love it. I'm going to have Tom back again and again and again, and I I have a bunch of questions I want to ask him, but uh, anything you want to hear from him, uh, send them to me, and I'll line them up, and I will ask the expert himself. So until you guys hear from us next time, or we see you next time, keep watching or keep listening to the best practices show you guys enjoy your day so there you have it another great episode hope you guys enjoyed it hey and thank you for showing up I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends and if you're really enjoying the podcast could you do me a favor could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review here's what that does it allows us to find other great people like you I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.